Like I probably have until about seven fifteen my time. So that's like four fifteen your time. Just just FYI. Um so I'll be quick and then we can dive in. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> pause me. Pause. Pause, Rue. What you diving in? Yo, yo, that's wild. That's wild. What you diving into? <laughs> Well, you you oh, you, was, you was swimming, my nigga. Like, what are you doing all this diving? You, you, I don't see a diving board nowhere. You, you wear a speedo, yo, Cam. Yo, that's that's extra <laughs> that's balls. <laughs> you right, yo. You know, you you you, you right. I, I, as soon as I said it, though, I was like, oh, kill it, yo. Murder's gonna kill me. Murder's going. <laughs> but it was too late. I was so. Let me. I could just keep going. So let me stop. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I was saying before, um, and hello everybody who's listening. We're now recording again. Um, uh, we were talking before we started recording, and I was just talking about a movie that I had done back in 2021 that has not to be released, um, and probably won't be released. But it was a uh, like a, a transformative experience. It's like really the only word, if there is a word to describe what that filming process was like. And, um, you know, for sad reasons, the movie's probably not going to get released. The writer-director killed himself maybe like nine months after filming wrapped. Um, and so, yeah, just like, you know, all the the familial ties and business stuff that, that was at play there. It's probably going to leave it on the shelf, but I was telling Jalil how you know, I think sometimes experiences like that are not necessarily meant to be recorded and shared um, and that they were meant to exist in the moment they happened. Um, it, it's meant to be a live in real time experience. And it's like if you were there, you were there. And if you weren't, you weren't. But I, I think that's what I think that's what this experience was. Um, and I think it's incredibly difficult for a movie you know anything that's recorded um to like honor that energy and when it does it's like wow this is amazing that this and then you hear the actors talk about it and they're like oh yeah we felt something was going on like that's that's amazing to me because like you're taking pieces of a puzzle that aren't already shot in a linear manner, right? So we're already not in like linear time. Um, you're playing make-believe, right? You're literally like acting as another person. You're saying lines that usually one to maybe two uh, people wrote. Um, and you're just, you're in this weird world um, that then has to be put together and presented as, as entertaining or believable um, for people you know, months down the road and you add coloring, you add sound, you add all these effects that were not there when you were in the movie. Um, and so it just becomes, and like the, the, literally the story can change from the writing process to the filming process, to the editing process. And so it's like what, what the audience sees is it's not necessarily what you did. Um, and so if, if a, a director, is able to, you know, like have the energy of where it's supposed to be, not necessarily what it was on the day, but whatever it's supposed to be, translate uh, effectively. Hi, Looney. Um, that is, that's a miracle. It's a miracle. So, um, uh, you know, I think that's, that's it's kind of like just the inevitable when you're, engaging with the ineffable is mm -hmm. you know it's it's really hard to you can i think you can do it in, in writing i think you can do it in a picture i think you can do it in a song um i know you can do it in live performance i just think for like film or tv just because of like the process of creating it and then the time that it's released versus the time when it actually occurred it's like, this is a completely different thing. <laughs> this is literally a completely different thing. Whereas if you get a song, some someone's in that flow state, 
you captured it in that moment. Live performance, someone's in that flow state, you capture it. If you're writing, you know, it's like literally what you're inking onto that paper is, is like spell, so to speak. You know, it's like it's being captured in those words that you're essentially branding onto that paper. Um, with art, you know, with colors or, or clay or, you know, whatever, what other other materials. But with, with re recorded film, it's, it, it's tricky. Mm. Mm. And the tricky part is because it's it it was captured at some other time in a way that isn't linear, and then it's and then the experience of it as a viewer after you are the actor that helps co-create that is this isn't even what you experience. You're watching something that isn't even what you experience. It's actually some it's a collection of otherwise non-linear experiences and you know uh scenes that are then stitched together in a narrative that you were privy to because you read the script but not necessarily what you experienced in the process of creation is that is that what you're saying yeah and even when you read the script like oftentimes what the script is versus what you shoot is different um mm -hmm. and so it's it's like filmmaking specifically is like you you really have to be some sort of a wizard to make mm -hmm. um one to make a movie first off that's really really hard but two to make a movie that is uh good and moving um is really tricky and i i think the reality is is when you are in that kind of creative medium and I know this isn't how every auteur works. Um, but I think there's a, some of them at least have a really, like I think some, I've heard some directors will see the film the way they see it and they can't unsee it that way. And though mm. it's like, no matter what's actually happening in the moment, they're like, no, 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 this is, this is what it's going to be. And sometimes they, they saw the magic before the magic occurred and they're like, it needs to meet this. And if it mm. doesn't, then they're like, nope, we'll, we'll keep doing it or we'll, we'll do it on a different day, whatever. Um, so you have that. That's a certain type of genius um, or like obsessiveness. The other type, and there are many, it's, it's a myriad, but the other type is um, someone that can really just flow with what's, what's alive. Flow with the mm. script at the stage of the script. Flow with the, um, the movie at the table read, if you get to do a table read, seeing what's shifted from there now that you actually have, excuse me, before we get to the table read, sharing what, hearing what may shift when you have um, the actors come into audition mm. and you have another person reading the words you wrote and they're doing it in a way that they couldn't predict. And you're like, that's better, right? Mm. So then allowing that to evolve and you get to the table reading, you've got everyone together, allowing that synergy to affect the script. Right. However, my however minorly it may be. And then you actually get on set and like the day to day on set. It's like, what's alive today? You know, if we're shooting um, with a natural environment, we're dealing with, for the most part, like we're, you know, we have our, our contraptions and our equipment. But like we're kind of at the whims at the sun and the clouds and the winds and like whatever is happening in the environment. Um, if you have a studio, you have more control over that. But still, there's an energy that's alive on the days that you're filming, right? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. different. You got to tune into that. Then after that ends, and this is assuming that you got everything you needed Excuse me. while you were filming that initial section, because sometimes you need to do reshoots, right? And those could be months later, people's lives have changed, their hair's changed, maybe they did another project. So they're completely different people, right? But then they have mm -hmm. to go back into this story and, and and tell these characters um uh, so that again like that also is a factor but then when it when it ends and you get all the footage then you go into the editing booth and you're, you're working on it from that perspective and uh, the editor could have a different eye you know certain things that worked or felt good on the day of shooting or when you first wrote it it may not play anymore you know hmm. so th then you add the music and that creates a whole nother element. There's a whole nother tone there. Um, and then and I'm not even talking about politics or like all that other stuff, you know, that always uh, inevitably play. 
But um, yeah, so it's like if you're able to go through all of that and present something to an audience that we like, um, we're inspired by, we feel connected to, it's it is a miracle. It's hmm. it's like no less than a feat of and I remember hearing this when I was younger, like people saying getting a movie made is is impossible, but it's no less than like a just a pure feat of of magic um and mm. willpower. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's an incredible combination of yeah, like teamwork, collaboration, creativity, vision, um yeah, group flow. So many things are happening in what you just described. I I've always been fascinated by the process and um something that I've I've kind of found myself gravitating toward as just like an interest of mine. Um, and I, I've, I've listened to James Cameron talk about his process of creation and I've watched his, um, his science fiction. There's a, there's a a show, a special on, I think it's AWC. Is that a AWC? Is that a network? I don't know. One of those networks where you have to pay a subscription to be able to watch these days. Is it AMC? There it is, AMC. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was seeing it in my head, but the the M was upside down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It was like AMC and I I I got the 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 trial and watched the special. There was like a you know five or six part special where he's having conversations with a bunch of science fiction directors. And so, you know, you've got the you know, the typical um Steven Spielberg and you've got um uh Dear, uh, Del Toro, I forget his first Diego Del Toro. Those he's typically like horror horror films, and then mm-hmm. uh, um, George Lucas. Um, and there's the other guy that does the the one that he did in Inception. What's that? What's that movie? Or the, oh, the Nolan, Christopher Nolan, yeah, Christopher Nolan, Christopher there Nolan is a yeah. Yeah. And so there was there was like those are like the the heavy hitters in the conversation, but there were also a bunch of like science fiction writers and science fiction um you know folks that are in various types of design roles and and just hearing about all the different perspectives like they talked a lot about alien and how the person who created the actuals um Xeno something I can't think of it. Xenomorph I think is my, maybe the name for the the creature in Alien. The person who created it um wasn't necessarily like a movie producer in any way but like or a a movie uh set designer or or creature creator if you will but was basically brought in because his creation was so fascinating and it like appealed to so many different aspects of of our fears it was like um you know it was it was it was masculine in a lot of ways but it was also feminine in a lot of ways and like in a lot of ways it kind of carried um oh there's that the demon that we that also seems to satisfy the sense of duality. Uh, uh, Behofat, I think, or something like that. Um, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Baphomet. Baphomet. There well, it is. Don't yeah. say that too much. You may summon <laughs> Baphomet. <laughs> we don't need that smoke. But the the whole concept of Baphomet is interesting in that, like you know, in Gnosticism. Gnostic traditions, it it wasn't necessarily perceived as a, a demon or anything like that, but it was actually just this perfect combination of of duality, this balance of male, female, um, you know, darkness, light, good, evil. Um, and that's why it has like all these a beast and, and man. Um, that's why it has all these different like aspects of itself that create balance. But that's the reason why we fear it, because it create it has this sense of all of the complexities of 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 existence existing in one being and that is very uh off-putting for us as humans because we need to have that contrast to feel like we can understand this thing and that's why the xeno the xenomorph was so powerful as a creature because it had carried the masculine the feminine it was had so many aspects of things that we are terrified by and and of as human beings and still why you know it's one of the best uh creatures ever created in in you know in, in in a film and why we still fear it and why it's still one of the best movies ever made and like there's still conversations around it today it's like the the um you know the north star for science fiction right so i'm, I'm going on a tangent but the reason i'm bringing it up is because listening to james cameron 
and his thought process and the interviews that he was doing with all these people inspired me to uh, check out his masterclass. And so I listened to the way that he created um, uh, Terminator and how like the Terminator actually came to him in a vision. He like, like slept, he was sleeping and woke up to this, like this fear of being chased by this, this, you know, this robot that was literally trying to kill him. And that was like the inspiration for the movie itself. And so he just followed that, that inspiration, followed that vision. And so you were talking about this idea, right? Of, of, of being a director and the ability to create a movie and bringing it into the world is such a feat because of so many different aspects of it. You went through all of them. There's weather, there's people, there's time, there's money, there's so many different aspects of it. But I was like listening to this, this man talk about how he was able to navigate every single aspect of it. And I was like, holy shit, like budget, just budget alone would, would, would stump many people like this. Terminator was a low budget film and he brought in Arnold Schwarzenegger and that ate up like, 80% of his budget and like now he's got to figure out a way to be able to delegate the rest of these funds to create a science fiction movie that had some decent action scenes and there were some there were some special effects and things and those things are typically highly expensive and so like there's the aspects that you highlighted and there's so many other things that are happening in the back end that actually need to be executed well in order for a film to even be produced and then to go from just the production part of it into the actual part of like building the buzz, making sure people want to watch it and the whole process of the, the road and pony show adds a whole nother element to it. That's just incredible. And it's fascinating to see that it's even possible and that we're able to even have so many movies produced, you know, at a clip that they're produced these days. It is a feat. It is a testament to uh, uh, willpower, but also I think, and this is probably the most important thing or the thing that was most interesting that I learned from, from watching this is that, um, there's so many people who are involved in the process of making something and it's the teamwork, right? It's like the willingness to give something to someone else and say, this is what I'm envisioning. Can you help me create it? Or, Hey, I don't have a clear idea of what this is going to look like yet, but like, let's co-create something together, right? Depending on your style of the type of directors, directors that you just highlighted here. And it's inspiring. It's a beautiful thing to witness. And I think that uh, just, we're in the conversation around creativity and, and, and that whole process of, of artistry and, and giving something to the world that can heal. Right. And, and one of the main things that I came to appreciate about James Cameron and, and Steven Spielberg also talked, talked about this a little bit was that uh, he said something like, we are basically creating movies that are our deepest fears and we are giving them to the rest of the world so that we can process our fears and the rest of the world can face them with us. Right. And I thought that was really fascinating, like an interesting concept of, you know, taking what may seem like, again, James Cameron using the Terminator, him being terrified of this dream that he had of this robot chasing after him. And instead of shying away from it, he decided to step more deeply into it and create with that energy, which I think is beautiful and poetic. And I can't help myself. Like, this is just how I operate and how I navigate the world just through this poetry. But I thought the concept of letting fear be a guide for you as you are creating whatever it is that you're being called to create in the world and not shying away from it is going to lead to finding yourself in the flow. It's going to find it's going to lead to you finding yourself in that space that 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 we talked about this on our last podcast, that 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 Kairos space, right? Being willing to step out of the comfort zone of your, you know, piece together comfortable life into the space of holy shit. I'm staring down my deepest fear in this moment and I'm choosing to use that energy as an opportunity to create something powerful and then share that with other people. Like that's a recipe right there. That's a recipe. It is. Um, two things I want to say. Um, one is, so again, this is another example of how complex stories and sharing them are and just nuanced. Um, James Cameron's side of the story is that he had a dream about it. Mm. That's what he's telling us. Mm. I had another side, which is that Terminator, The Matrix, and I may have sent you her a couple of years ago, and it may have been like one other movie were written as books by this black woman who mm. was like a, a genius. She was very young. She could also be completely insane and lying, <laughs> right? But this is her story. But yeah, I told you because she said that Neo from the Matrix was based on 
the only real superhero she ever met, and she actually dated him, according to her, um, which was Muhammad Ali. Mm. So apparently, like, there was some Michigash that happened where she didn't get the credit. I mean, I think they did pay her off. They did give her the money. But um, she and I got into a rabbit hole listening to her. Um, it doesn't go that deep. But uh, pause, pause, <laughs> pause. <laughs> Yo, B. <laughs> Can't say nothing anymore without a pause. Um, it doesn't. It, do, it really doesn't. But she was just saying how like they were all written as books. They were written as a book series. And they're all connected, you know, the rise of the machines, all of that stuff. And I think mm -hmm. it started with the Terminator and was supposed to make its way into the Matrix. And I don't know if the kid in Terminator was supposed to be Neo or something like that. But she like she in her mind has it all tied together. So, again, that's her story. Right. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's just like the complexities of the storytelling soup that these are this is this isn't even a movie. These are just people expressing their desiring to express. And mm -hmm. we don't know if it's true or not. Um, it's what they're choosing to share with us. And then from there, we create our story around these experiences. Mm. So I just, want, I just want to say that because it can, stories can be, ugh, they can be like dizzying at times. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Which is why I like the phrase, you know, F your story, fuck your story. Because it's, mm -hmm. that you do have to get to a certain level of like self-awareness, I would say, for that not to really trigger you and for you to be like fuck you fuck my story mm -hmm. you know and so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, that that perspective shouldn't just be like thrown out there um because people like their story is their livelihood who they are is it's literally their livelihood um but then the other thing i was going to say was about this you know james cameron talking about creating from his fear I do, on one side of the spectrum, agree that it's it's like a way to induce flow and to get into the uh, the Cairo state, and like it's a brave decision. Um, mm -hmm. And at the same time, I think it's also like I personally don't feel that, <clears throat> and I'm speaking as someone who was in the industry for ten years, still pay dues. I'm technically still in it. Um, So there's this whole notion of like creating from love that we actually mm -hmm. talked about in our last podcast. And yeah. I think movies are a reflection, not all the time, but I think quite a bit of maybe coming from not necessarily a fear, but maybe an insecurity, you know, like mm. um, it didn't get scratched. Um, just like, the umbrella term I would say would be like, like a sense of lack. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, there's something that I need to express through this story. Um, and because it's coming from a place of like lack, fear, uh, insecurity, every word I write is going to be imbued with that energy. Mm -hmm. And I think the reality is that's how most of us operate. Mm -hmm. Right. That's how most of us make decisions. And so it's so easy, once again, to get caught in the whirlpool of a movie in this case. But different stories are also um, susceptible to this, um, different forms of storytelling. To get caught up in a movie and then if I am operating from a sense of lack, but I'm seeing this movie on this big screen with, like, like you said, the dog and pony show, the celebrity status, all this stuff, it's like, damn that movie is going to leave a big imprint on me and it's really going to shape me into who I become, which is just going to inform my story of who I am. And I think what's cool is, and it's just a, like a challenge I've been given to one of my friends, uh, David, who's writing a movie um, where he actually sent me something where J.R.R. J. R. R. Tolkien the writer of the Lord of the Rings was talking about storytelling and essentially saying the same thing. You know, it's like, we're all afraid of death. That's what most mm -hmm. stories come down to. So it's like writing from that perspective and having it grow. And I don't disagree at all, but I was just like, Hmm, I wonder what it would be like to write from a place of love and fullness and um, just gratitude 
for the ability to express whatever story wants to come out of me and have that be the energy that imbues each word. And I actually think I saw a trailer and I know this exists, but <clears throat> so I'm not saying this is the only movie that that embodies that, but I watched the trailer last night for the the um it's not the remake of the movie, but it it's it's um the movie version of the Broadway play of a color purple. So it's not the remake mm. of the nineties. This is like a whole new reimagining. And I was watching that trailer and I was like, because at first I was like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I know this fucking story. We, we've seen this, you know, the mm -hmm. downtrodden black person, black people that make their way in, in this white world. And like, we know the story, but I was watching it and I was like, and my mom had told me, she was like, like, just give it a chance. She was like, or I was like, when I was watching, I was like, oh, this feels very different. This feels full. This feels like it's bursting with with love and and joy and and uh, you know it it just feels full, and it like it feels like it's pouring from a full cup, and like the trailer ended, I was smiling, and I don't I don't watch that many trailers anymore, but like for a trailer to make me like really feel something, um, one it means it's a good trailer, but two, it's just that. Like, Oh, that, that that was different. Mm -hmm. They're doing something different there. It caught me by surprise. There was novelty. Uh, but it was just a feeling that I'm like, oh, this feels abundant. You know, this feels regenerative and nourishing and, and nurturing. Um, and I think, well, I know, like I, I go back and I, I, I watch some of the movies that have been my favorite movies for my whole life. And I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. I can't watch certain movies because either it's just too violent and I'm just like, oh, I, I can't watch it. I don't want to watch that shit anymore. Or I'm just like, damn, like, you know, that didn't age well or just like the energy of a movie. You're just like, oh, man. Wow. Yeah, I just it's like going back to a place that you used to hang out or like a group of mm. friends that you used to have. And then you go away, you do what you work, you come back. They're the same. And you're like, oh. This feels different, <laughs> mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. like I'll chill for a little just out of respect because I said I would. But at a certain point, I'll be looking at my, my phone, you know, it's like, what time is it? You know, I, I got to go. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and then I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to come back. Um, but it was it was it was it was a really cool experience. And I, I just wanted to put that out there as well, because I think um, movies are, are so powerful. And I think it's, you know, it's it's something that I, I feel pretty strongly about is I would love to, for us as an organization to work with, with, you know, plenty of artists, but specifically like writers, you're a writer, you know, um, storytellers um, from a healing artist perspective, like really understanding that your word is your wand and the power mm -hmm. of what you're creating and is it like is it is it is it creating more self-connection is it creating more community is it creating more flow and ease or is it creating more um uh like isolation and disconnect and stagnation and judgment and just once again putting you in that dizzying whirlpool of um of stories um that it's so easy to get caught up in because we're all comprised of them. You know, it's like, how do we make sense of the 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 shit that doesn't make sense? Well, you gotta tell a story. You know, you could just mm -hmm. say a word or just a fact. You could just share some data, but it's like, what is that? What's the emotional connection? And mm -hmm. yeah, I just I I I know personally that I'm definitely ready and hopeful because it seems like slowly trickling their way in and have been for a few years just for like more positive movies and and like more flow inducing uh experiences and the last thing i want to say i don't know if we're going to get to what we're originally going to talk about but that's okay we're following the flow of what's up right now the last thing i want to say is uh is about christopher nolan because mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of really great filmmakers um, 
but I think he is unique and he stands out to me because he is the only filmmaker that I've seen and at least operating at the level that he operates with the budgets he operates with and the egos he's he's working with. He's the only direct storyteller because he's also a writer and everything that I've seen who is somehow and he goes at these topics as well. So it's not just by like chance who somehow is successful pretty consistently in bringing the ineffable to screen in mm-hmm. a way that is is just like deeply moving, deeply compelling, deeply inspiring and and really interesting. And that is really and he's also like forwarding different technologies outside of Hollywood. You know, like some of the research they had to do for the black hole scene or whatever. I think it was kind of a black hole in Interstellar um, Mm -hmm. where they had to go through that wormhole thing. Like that actually like um, uh, that actually like shifted a a long held perspective on black holes or or wormholes or whatever it was um, because of that research. So I'm like, oh, so this is really like like this is. I mean, this is like we we are really playing with. It's like his movies are somehow able to use the camera and the microphone to shape time and space. Because his intention, not all, but in a lot of his movies, is focused on the relationship between time and space. He is somehow, I don't know how, um, able, and maybe that's the point. It's like, it's just ineffable to translate that through the film to the audience. That is so amazing. And in a way where like you really leave there feeling, either you feel drunk, it's almost like you went to a breathwork session, right? You leave and you're like, Wow, like yes, movies can take us on a journey. Those, especially the ones that are good, and Chris Nolan's movie not the only ones. But it's like you leave a Chris Nolan movie, not always, but sometimes, and you're just literally like, kind of just like that, you know, mm-hmm. just like kind of at a loss for words. It it it's kind of like the experience. A lot of us expressed when we were at the Flow Genome Coaching program, mm-hmm. where we were just sitting there, just like, what's happening? I don't really know what's going on right now. Do you? I got no clue. You know, but we kept waking up, we kept coming back. And then we left, you and I can't speak for everyone else, but you and I left completely transformed. Um, so, yeah, for a filmmaker to be able to do that. It's a whole nother level. It's a whole nother level. Hmm. Well said. Yeah, Interstellar is an incredible movie, and I think that's. I think that we talked about this in a in a in a previous podcast. The the uh, the power of science fiction mm. as like a genre, and how it. It has to be believable. <clears throat> it's, that's what makes it science fiction. It has to be rooted in the uh, the laws of, of our current universe to some extent. And it has to somehow, some way make sense in order for us to to buy it. Otherwise, it has to be fantasy and we have to like fully willingly suspend all disbelief entirely and say, okay, I'm stepping into a completely fantastical universe and... And science fiction, I think is, I wouldn't say, I don't, I don't know. I can't say it, but from a perspective, from an outside looking in, it seems like science fiction would be harder to execute because you do have to find a way to navigate the laws of the universe and bend them enough while still operating within what is considered to be possible or at least plausible. Right. And that interstellar, uh, the process of building it because they talked about that in the in the in the documentary docuseries that i was watching and i ended up reading about it because i'm so fascinated by the concept of 
of black holes and um, multiverse and this idea, you know, one of these ideas that I just was randomly having as I was sitting on the couch one day, I was just like, what if a black hole was actually just another entry into another universe? And like every single one of these black holes that exists is actually just nothing more than an entry into another universe. And what if this universe came to exist in what we're calling the Big Bang, but the Big Bang was just a collapse of a star that happened in another universe that led to a black hole that led to our existence. And what's happening is we have all these different black holes that are just kind of pulling matter in and then pushing it into another universe because ours we know is it's it's expanding right and so we're pulling energy in from some other place right and 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 it's pushing outward into you know this expansion of our universe and then what's happening is these black holes are also taking in matter and light and pulling it into presumably another universe right and that concept to me is really fascinating and I started looking it up and I was, you know, digging into it. And I realized that that's actually a scientific theory. There's like, or at least a hypothesis, right? It's not a theory at this point, but it is a hypothesis that that could exist. And then there was like an article about interstellar and how interstellar, um, uh, Christopher Nolan actually was like working with some research center to actually really make sure that what he was building in this film, to your point, is actually rooted in scientific possibility. And how do you convey that? something that only exists mathematically, right? Because that's all this is, right? Like when you're talking about astrophysics, all these people are doing is they are simply uh, running calculations and, and, and based on the probability of all these various calculations saying, hey, it's possible that this could exist, right? And then those calculations then are not necessarily able to be experienced visually unless you have some kind of, um, you know, projection or, or um, some kind of like uh, CAD or or some kind of you know computer program that can give you some visual, but otherwise it doesn't exist. There is no visualization that you can really pull from, and so James can or not James Cameron in this case, Christopher Nolan has to take those mathematical equations, those hypotheses that have been that have been uh, that are based on um, scientific research, and then try to convey that visually. And so then like you're literally dealing with something that does not exist for someone in their conceivable. Uh, imagination yet right and that's the effing the ineffable as you're talking about right like this is literally ineffable like by definition the idea of what Jane, what what uh chris nolan was able to do in, in interstellar is ineffable by definition it does we cannot see it we are it's an impossibility for us to see it at this point or at least until interstellar came to be and now when we think about multiverse and we think about the concept of like what happens on the other side of a black hole the first thing many people probably think of is that moment in Interstellar, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like there are multiple universes and dimensions that exist. And there could be someone who's literally on the other side of a black hole who happens to be on the other side of this bookshelf that is perceiving my reality through a different perspective because they exist on a different plane with different dimensionality. Like that concept did not come to anyone, you know, at least like the lay person's imagination until Chris Nolan was able to do it, which is amazing. Right. It's a beautiful thing. And I, I love the way that you described it, how you walk out of one of his movies and you're just shooketh. Like, what just happened? I wonder how did I just see? I can't even 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 uh didn't he do the Dark Knight too? Wasn't that wasn't that him? And yeah, he did the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, and even with that, he did it. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. Like he he stands out to me among the the real like heavyweights of, of filmmaking right now in mm -hmm. in his ability to do that um but i also think um maybe we will get to talk about what we were originally talking about of course um, we are bro like that's what happens it's just a natural <laughs> flow we'll get there we'll get there it ain't gonna be on our time but it's gonna be on Ky on kairos time you know we kairos. <laughs> we're gonna get there i love it um Um, what was it? I think like that's what I love about facilitating breath work is mm -hmm. that, and also like I don't always just do breath work, like I'll do breath work with movement and dancing and all that stuff. But I think it's, I have not come across another modality that takes an individual or a group on a journey that is like that close or sometimes even in the ineffable 
Um, I have not experienced anything. Um, you know, yes, you can take plant medicine and it can take you on a journey. Um, but I just think like the containers we create, it's almost like, um, a set, um, are just palpable and just rich with so much, with so much transformative magic. Um, yes, I look distracted. I heard something hit the window and then my dog started barking. I don't know if a bird flew into it or what. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, but what we were originally going to talk about, um, or what we got on the, the, the call today to talk about was like the offerings for BRT moving forward and, um, or at least for 2024 and how we want to, um, how we want to market them and, and share them. Um, and so I, I actually wrote a little list last night. I think it's around the same time I messaged you about doing another call. Um, and I'll just read these to you and you just let me know how they make you feel. <laughs> if it's a hell yes, just nod yes. If it's a, uh, or hell yes, give me a thumbs up. Eh, give me a sideways. And if it's a, Give me a thumbs down and you can make the fart sound. I'll make sure for the, for the folks who are only listening, we'll make sure it's audible for you. Yeah. So if hell yes, you have to say it in an Eddie Murphy coming to America voice. If it's a, if it's a meh, you got to say it in like in an Adam Sandler voice. If it's a no, you got to just do the poopy sound. <laughs> Yes, yes, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Yes, it's good. Yes, I love you. Shut the fuck up. Yes, I love America. <laughs> fuck you too. Yes. Fuck you this too. Fucking yeah. man. <laughs> I love you, fucking man. All right, you feeling ready? Let's do it. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Um, so the first one I have is uh, private breathwork sessions. So that's one ones, couples, uh, families, smaller groups, larger groups, um, in person and online. Hell yes, that that's good, very good. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you, thank you, friends. Um, next one, um, full and new moon um, breathwork sessions online. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. <laughs> Next one is um full moon. This is this is me. Full moon breathwork sessions in DC. Hell yes. <laughs> uh, we have What the Fuck is Mindfulness, which is pre-recorded and online. Hell yes. <laughs> Very good. This is good. That's good. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Hakeem. Um, next one, we have uh, Flow Seminars in D.C. Um Hey, you're the floor, man. <laughs> I love it. I love the floor. Yes, yes. I love floor. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Hakeem. Um, this is a, not a new one, but could be interesting to get this one up and running. I know you've already done this, I think. Um, but just to get some more language around it. Breathwork teacher training. Uh, location to be determined. 
Hell yes. Hey, that sounds good. I like it. I like okay. it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Hakeem. And then um Prince Hakeem. Let's, Prince. Prince. Sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm I'm sorry, Prince. Sorry. Prince Hakeem. Thank you. Um may I proceed? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Prince Hakeem. Um, and the last one is um, Rise and Thrive Level 1, which I've just redubbed last night. Uh, you know, it's a hold name. It's not permanent. Let it flow, um, which would be pre-recorded and online. Um, it would be um, it would be a little different from the. Would it be? No, it would be all of it. Right. So it would, it would basically, again, be the full notebook. So what I'm thinking for, because that's that's Rise and Thrive level one plus the flow stuff. Um, so that's what Let It Flow would be. The flow seminars, just to backtrack a little, would only be the flow stuff. So the triangle, the fly, well, that's the flywheel, the surfer cycle, the, uh, the environments, and like the, the, the triggers. Um, so that's what the seminar would be. The let it flow would be the whole notebook, which is goals, um, essentially the awareness series, um, and then including all the flow stuff and also like animal work. And then, uh, yeah, that'd be pre-recorded online. Sorry, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. If you interrupt me again, I will have your hands. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You can, they're already yours, sir. You can you can do whatever you wish with them. Are you still talking? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I would never take your hands. That's a yes for me. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yes. Who would Thank you, Prince who would open my door? Who would wipe my ass? <laughs> who would make my food? <laughs> I would never take your hands. But your neck, maybe. Maybe your neck. All very points, but Prince Hakim. All very valid points, Prince Hakim. Thank you, thank you for letting me keep my hands, even though they already belong to you and the Kingdom of Zamunda. My hands are yours. My hands are yours. My neck is yours. Do with me what you wish, Prince Hakim. I... Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I just pause. I have this... Pause. Be pause. pause. Yeah, pause before I even say it. Before I even say it. Yikes. Oh, For those listening, I was just slapping my face with a big black <laughs> microphone. <laughs> yum, yum. Oh, love it. I love it. All right. Um, so we got a strong showing of hell yeses. Uh, the maybe for the full and new moon breathwork sessions online. Um, let's 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 leave it there for now i have a feeling that came from um what's it called the like lack of marketing did on them in the fall and i know you saying you know you'd be down to do them you're already kind of doing them still but you know we'd really have to market them um so i do not disagree with that um but uh that's good that's it um i'm also not a i'm also a maybe for that one myself and i'm a hell yes to all the other ones um so that's good dope yeah yeah i think my my hesitation with the the new and full moon um is it's it's multifaceted <clears throat> i think the first thing is definitely like people gotta we gotta we have to make sure people know that they are happening mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's a commitment of at least two full sessions a month mm -hmm. sometimes three depending on the month you know when they got them blue moons you know what i'm saying sometimes it wasn't a blue moon baby sometimes that should be happening but um so commitment the commitment to that and the time the time commitment to that means that we have to invest in making sure people attend and 
that that is a byproduct of uh, a lack of activity from both of us just when it comes to marketing and making sure people are aware so that's which we we, we spent a solid you know 90 minutes talking about yesterday in terms of strategy and and you know the next phase of that is execution and what does that look like on a regular basis so i'm comfortable with giving it you know a few months half a year whatever it is of us like really trying to build it up because i think it is a wonderful opportunity for building awareness and making sure people have like a sense of what it is that we do it's an opportunity for people to uh, who otherwise aren't familiar with breath work to join and have that experience and from anywhere in the world. Um, and that's that's a that's a unique opportunity that's awarded to us as a result of having a you know technologies uh, supported platform that we use, right? Like the thing that I'm in, in considering and and it sounds like you're also doing this in person, at least the full moon in person, is there is a studio here in um in the santa cruz county that actually is enabled for virtual in in virtual settings or virtual uh classes in addition to doing in person and so if i think my ver my my focus for going into next year is trying to get stuff in person more often i'm doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one stuff and like small small like couple stuff here in, in in the county but focusing more on like building out uh in-person group sessions and one of the things that i might be willing to do is hosting virtual or hosting the virtual full moon new moon breathwork sessions while doing something in person and so that i'm streaming from the studio that i'm working at in addition to having the actual session in person so that it creates that opportunity for people to connect from all over the world which i'm down for i want to very much so support because it is a unique opportunity um, but it also allows for me to deepen what I'm focusing on in 2024, which is more uh, physical experiences in person. So for all y'all listening, Santa Cruz County folks, you know, some good old breathwork sessions here in town coming to you live and direct. Um, and then those, I think the other piece that needs to be done is creating a very simple event page on brt.studio um, and that can just be updated when we have those sessions so it's a simple place where people can go they can register and you know i think it's interesting to use eventbrite for example because it does allow for us to capture people that are otherwise not uh aware of brt.studio um but i think just like operationally how do we simplify is my focus because it's a lot to manage all the different systems and processes and da, 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 da. so that's that's the conversation that i'm having with myself internally as i'm thinking like do i want to do these on a regular basis potentially but it's got to be operational in a way that doesn't have so much overhead as it has had in the past mm -hmm. we've been doing okay. virtual sessions bro for like four years mm -hmm. literally i mean i think combined virtually and in person we've honestly we've probably done thousands of sessions at this point like, absolutely it's 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 been a, a a concentrated four years um mm -hmm. literally across the across the country i haven't done any like outside of the country but across the country you know in person but then also virtually it's been it's been globally but um mm -hmm yeah it's um um we've we've been busy um and and okay so i'm gonna um i'm gonna have to run in about six minutes um yep. so i'll leave it as a maybe but i'll i'll add the um potential in person because i've been wanting to do something like that too um where it's a, a, a streaming um, session. Um, so you have the mm -hmm. live component as well as the virtual. And maybe I can do that. Maybe I can <clears throat> do that with the um, the full moon sessions I'm doing at, because uh, I'm, I'm doing them at the places I've been doing them at. Um, mm -hmm. So one is a hotel, one is a spa. Um, 
And so like I just scheduled out till May. We'll see what happens once the school year ends. But um I'm sure it wouldn't like I'm sure I could do it there. Actually, I don't know, because then that's a whole revenue thing. You know, them uh, you know, it's like if they're hosting it, they may want money. Um, and if it's not going through their site directly, that could be uh a little a little tricky, but but potential. Um and then the other thing I was going to say about that specifically was, would that be something? Because even in the fall, it was a eh for me, the full and new moon breathwork sessions, because I'm just like, I do enjoy the in-person experience so much more, even though we started with virtual and there's you can have a wider global reach. I just, I'm like, oh, you know, it's like, it's just kind of annoying for me, especially as someone who doesn't, I don't live on my computer. Oh, it's like you work on your computer every day. Like that is just not my reality. And so being in front of a computer, like it's it's got to be like a really special reason. And not saying these aren't, but they just, they didn't give me that hell yes feeling even in the fall. So the question mm -hmm. is, if we were to do this, since I am doing in-person full moon breath work sessions here in DC, maybe we, we nix the new moon and you're able to do the hybrid full moon um sessions in that studio uh in in santa cruz mm. mm -hmm. so like that would be that would be the equivalent of you doing what i'm doing in dc but also the hybrid version and so it could be cool if we're both doing hybrids um again i gotta i gotta think about that and talk to the people at these these uh venues but that could be a way to get more eyes get more people involved make more money um and uh yeah just like generate more awareness yeah i like it me gusta yeah let's uh let's keep sitting with the question i think i think my first plan of action is to reach out to the studio i coincidentally was reading an email at some ridiculous hour because i woke up and uh couldn't sleep and was like well let me just get some work done because that's what happens sometimes and um and the email happened to be connected to a studio that I didn't even know existed in town. And I've been sitting with this question of how do I make these full moon, new moon breathwork experiences more uh, satisfying and effective for me as a person, but also for the people that, you know, I've been asking for sessions here in, in town and while still supporting the community that I still support, you know, multiple times a week for various sessions. And uh, yeah, for all you don't know that we do have a, a monthly uh, a community that's, that subscribes to BRT Studio and we have regular sessions uh, Wednesdays and Fridays in addition to uh, community breathwork sessions on, on one Sunday, the second Sunday of the month. And then these um, full moon, new moon have been supplementing and people kind of access, they have access to that as a result of being part of the community. So I've been wanting to figure out a way to how, how I can continue to support that group that I'm invested in. And, you know, we've been building this, this space for a while at this point while also finding a way to be able to build here in town. And I think that's going to be the, the intersection and the sweet spot of making that possible. I know you got to go, bro, bro. Um, but yeah, this I'm feels all, good. It does feel good. I'm just adding, before I go, I'm just adding um, the breath breaks to the offerings. Oh, yes. Yeah, the breath breaks. They still exist. That's Wednesdays and yeah, Fridays at 12 o'clock Pacific time. Groovy. So if you don't want a smoke break, if you don't want a coffee break, take a breath break. <laughs> yes! Take a breath break. <laughs> One thing I want to add to this list, because we it, it, you didn't mm -hmm. mention it, but it is something that's coming, is the uh, the retreat that's happening in the mm -hmm. fall, September mm -hmm. 2024, mm -hmm. which is a hell yes. It's a very good. I like <laughs> That's a big hell yes. Yeah. Big hell yes. I'm, I'm getting the copy up and running for that um within the next week uh, which is why i just wanted to catch this wave because um you know they don't always last and um i just there's a lot of like seeds we can plant right now so just good to get together talk get on the same page um and i'll see you uh a message offline just about some pretty simple uh marketing strategies that i was thinking of um for these different these different things some are digital some are in person um but i think we can i think we can have fun 
playing with the marketing. I know I've been very resistant to to marketing for uh, ever since I started teaching. Literally, I took that online course creation course, and that was the section that I was like, I'm cool for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So I had a, I've had a lot of resistance to it, but I'm like, yeah, I feel like I could I could really like thrive, you know. And it's mm-hmm. like, let's just let's just you know tune into our strengths. So. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'll send you some of that and we can keep we can keep the flow going. Hell yes. I like <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, brother. Cool, brother. I love you. I appreciate you. Love you too. I'm man. gonna sign out. Peace, y'all. Yes, sir. Have a have a great day. Peace, y'all. Appreciate it.